and welcome to Moving Through Menopause and here I am today with the Menopause Collective, a wonderful group of women. Uh, you know, women are so collaborative anyway, and so I thought, why not? Let's get a group of gals together. And, uh, and we're not all here today. There will be times when there are different people represented. So today we are talking all about pain and particularly joint aches and pains, muscle aches and pains, and how menopause is uh, definitely a contributory factor to our experiences of, uh, of sensation. And there's lots of different reasons why this is happening to us. Uh, and so today we're going to tackle this topic from lots of different angles. And, uh, and so I'd like to first of all welcome everybody you know, the first thing to remember about menopause is that, you know, it's, it's all about hormones and uh, the lack thereof and the systemic effect that this has. And so everything is, uh, you know, is connected. There's definitely no doubt about that. The way in which the hormones influence our brains, our hearts, our muscle tissue, our bone tissue. Um, this is a systemic effect that's occurring. And so this definitely has a contribution to make to our experience of painful symptoms. And so I'm going to have a chat with June Trammer, first of all. June is an acupuncturist and, uh, and so schooled in the Eastern approaches, if I'm not wrong, June. Yeah, and really, I mean, it, it is worth remembering that different cultures have very different experiences of menopause mm. because of their outlook and because of their um, diet and their lifestyles and their attitude. Um, the menopause is one of the many gateways of life. Menopause, along with puberty, is, is, is one of the main gateways for women, um, along with having children. So it's about going with the flow, always mm. about actually stepping through that door and not being anxious about it, being ready to embrace the next phase of life. Um, unfortunately, in the past, a lot of people didn't really live much beyond that age. You know, back in the day, you know, it's kind of a very recent hundreds of years, though. I mean, recent in the whole millennia of everything. Um, recent that, that we did come up against this living, living much longer. Um, so it's a mixed blessing. So it's all about keeping the circulation flowing, keeping the body fluids flowing, keeping the energy flowing, the emotions, the digestion, and our thoughts. And if all of those are continually being nurtured and, and continually flowing properly, we should not get pain. So our method is to restore that balance. And, you know, you speak to any acupuncturist or um, kinesiologist or Chinese medicine practitioner, they talk about natural ways of managing these things and managing the emotions without repression and, and making sure that you stop eating when you're seven-tenths full. Yeah. Have a hearty breakfast. This is a Chinese saying that matches the, the, um, the, the British saying, hearty breakfast, a moderate lunch, and a small supper, or breakfast like a king, lunch like a nobleman, and supper like a pauper. Yeah. When calm, when sitting down and chewing well, that might lead on to surely and more interesting detailed food advice. 
I think that's a lovely, uh, a lovely thought, Jean. And you were you you were going along the lines of mindful eating, which I recommend a lot to my clients, and it's great from a digestive point of view. I think I was going to speak a little bit more about inflammation, mm. which is you know linked a lot with pain, especially with joint pain. Um, and I think, as Philip has said, especially around the menopause, it's one of those symptoms that many can um, experience, unfortunately. So I would say, from a, a, a nutrition point of view, it's looking at your overall sort of diet and lifestyle as to you as an individual. You're very unique, and with your genetic history as well, um, we're all very unique, um, and so thinking well actually how what areas can I look at to take back a bit of control here um so if we look down um you know some ev evidence-based um recommendations which is the way I've I've been trained and I work um so some foods are evidence to be quite pro-inflammatory for um for people so being aware of that and keeping those foods low if you're experiencing joint pain aches inflammation um really great start is to keep those foods low in your diet such as too much dairy so we're talking about obviously cows and, and goats products here um too much red meat too much alcohol too much coffee um too many i am sorry everybody who's listening here too many sugary foods and and drinks um they're all quite evidence to to promote inf internal inflammation now let's not forget inflammation is a good part of the healing process if we injure ourselves we need that inflammatory process to encapsulate that injury so the immune system can, can heal it properly but the problem is when inflammation gets out of control, um, it can lead to a whole host of chronic conditions and autoimmune conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis. I think that's something that Philippa mentioned earlier. Um, so it's just being aware of that. So keeping those kind of foods low, but looking at evidenced foods for natural anti-inflammatory properties um, such as um, essential fats. So your omega-3, omega-6, but understanding the ratio that we should really be taking in from an essential fats point of view. Recent research um, shows that really the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 um, should be um, as low, omega-6 should be as low as sort of one to four. So it's interesting. And in, in a lot of people's diets, the ratio is the other way around, four to one. And too much omega-6 in a diet is evidence to be pro-inflammatory. So keep, keep, keeping omega-6 sources um, lower in your diet, such as sunflower oils, vegetable oils, keeping sources of good um, uh, omega-3 fats in your diet which are higher in omega-3 i mean flaxseed is a great thing to incorporate in your diet ground flaxseed um into porridge cereals etc that's a really good balance of six to three um nuts and seeds um, so the nuts and seeds you might be thinking well actually sunflower seeds but actually it's a whole sunflower seed and that balances out the omega omega um ratio if that makes sense oh. um, can i just say i didn't know that actually hmm. and uh, i did know about the six three balance and that's uh you know the, the the biggest culprit as is invariably the case is processed foods you know the absolutely processed foods the so-called healthy vegetable oils that they uh, mm. that they incorporate into these things. So mm. uh, I'm glad to hear you say that the whole sunflower seed, because I love sunflower seed. <laughs> 
you say that's still on the menu. Hurrah. Good. And of course, you've got the good protein and, and fibre in the sunflower seeds as well, which are all, all going to help to keep your blood sugars balanced. So, you know, sugary foods, sugary drinks, they're, they're all evidenced at promoting that internal inflammation. So, you know, which can cause the immune system to go a bit awry. It can't work properly. That inflammation is staying there and it's fueling further inflammation. Um, looking at weight management as well, really important because uh, you know excess fat again is evidence to fuel inflammation. So looking at weight management strategies, foods that can balance your blood sugar levels, so you're not storing too much of that energy as fat. Um, so you know fiber-rich foods and protein-rich foods rather than your sugary foods and drinks you know, your brown rice, wholemeal pasta, um, rye bread, oat cakes, rather than, you know, biscuits and, and processed white white bread and pasta, for example. Well, thank you. That's a whistle stop tour. Can I just ask you, water? I mean, water to yeah. flush through all the debris of that yeah. inflammatory process. Absolutely, mm. absolutely important, June. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and we do know that, uh, you know, hydration is something that we need to keep on top of for lots mm -hmm. of reasons yeah. uh, we've covered in other conversations so for me that you know the pain experience is something that people struggle with uh, and i have a lot of experience of dealing with the idea that a pain uh, you know it, it is a negative experience definitely pain is is a is a warning that's what it's mm -hmm. intended to do it's intended yeah to send us a message uh, that makes us reticent to repeat an experience. Touch something hot and, uh, and you're immediately reminded that you really oughtn't to do that again. So, but, you know, but for the most part, the, the changes that we're talking about with menopause uh, can be changes that are not necessarily associated with tissue damage. And so, however, our propensity is, by the same token, just to avoid this, uh, this sensation. And so if we're not very careful, we can end up in a downward spiral of um, decreasing our levels of activity, which ultimately then decreases the resilience of tissues. And so those tissues then are actually more vulnerable to injury. And yeah. so this can become a cycle and it blocks the flow if you stop moving your yeah. flow doesn't yeah, happen yeah. well i was just going to say and that can um, get people move people down the um, medication route and that's an, a whole other you know topic of conversation from an inflammatory point of view with non-steroidal anti-inflammatories for example but i'll stop yeah. that yeah, yeah. Well, this is true and we uh, can know, talk about that another time <laughs> yeah we, i definitely favor natural approaches and like i said something to rub on or something to uh uh you know to eat or a sniff even with the essential oils and so but still we have this piece in the in the mind the mind management uh, around mm. you know how do we how do we approach that sensation of pain with curiosity maybe rather than yes. the, the, the fear that uh, stops us from moving and so jackie i wanted to bring you in at this point to uh, with mm -hmm. your hypnotherapy approaches is this something that you experience mm -hmm. dealing with 
Yeah, and actually what you just said there was, was spot on in terms of approaching it with curiosity because actually it is there to tell us something. And um, what we don't want is to develop a fear against pain. So we can question it. We can ask ourselves, why am I experiencing this? You know, if there isn't, you know, something that we can say, actually, I've had a knock to the hand and that's why I'm experiencing pain. Um, we can take pain in, in all sorts, whether it's headaches, tension, shoulders, back, muscular. And a lot of that can come on through thoughts. It can come on through being anxious or through being depressed or just feeling generally out of con control. But we can also have... Um, secondary gains from pain as well. So if we are fearing uh, social situations, if our self-esteem isn't feeling so good and we want to try and pull away, then actually we can use pain there unintentionally, but for a, what we our mind is perceiving as a positive benefit to hold us back from social occasions, but actually that in itself is shrinking life. It's robbing us of doing things. Mm -hmm. It's the whole circle of that is negative but this is where we can start to ask ourselves um, exactly why we are experiencing the pain and and just absorb it and look at it in that nature of being curious as opposed to being fearful of it what is it actually trying to tell us because you know a lot of the time we're just not aware of what we're really feeling we just have this pain and and we instinctively pull away from whatever it is that's causing us the pain. So there's lots of things that we can do to help to um, overcome that. I mean, it may be that actually there is a physical pain there and um, we can use various techniques. And, and actually the mind is, is incredibly um, adept with pain, but we use it at a way, in a way to magnify it as opposed to shrink it. Mm -hmm. Now we all know that if we are feeling a pain, we can imagine scaling it up and we can imagine building it and creating that feeling of pain and having it become more intense. Because we're able to do that, we're also able to do the opposite, but we just don't ever think to do that. So it's almost imagining having an internal dial within the mind. And let's say our pain scale is somewhere about six or a seven, we can imagine turning that up and feeling it as a 10 and feeling it much more intense. But we can also imagine taking it down and it might be that we only need to turn it down to somewhere maybe about a five or a four because as you pointed out as well, we don't want to take pain away because it is actually there to tell us something. But if we can just turn it down a couple of notches it can take us into a place where we feel much more in control. And when we feel in control of that pain, that's where we actually start to take away the fear. And it's the fear of the pain that stops us doing things. But if we, if we feel that it's somewhere that's manageable, so as in yourself, Philippa, you've just said, you know, with your exercise, you just keep doing it and you're in complete control of that pain. It's not a problem. You just... Yeah, you're just exercising and enjoying the exercise and, and the pain is just, that's somewhere in the back of the mind. And that's because you feel in control. And if we can take that notch of the pain and just turn it down a little bit, then yeah, we put ourselves in control and we're then able to move forward with life. Mm 
Well, um, I do like that. Uh, you know, and that's definitely something that the mindful movement practices that I employ give you that opportunity to, to be curious, to explore. And actually, you know, oftentimes we get to the end of moving and things, it feels better. Uh, you know, and if only we can get over that initial hurdle of, of being fearful or worried yeah. about a particular experience. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the benefits of moving, increasing the circulation overall, um, and, and then, you know, the chemical effects on the brain that we mm -hmm. get, the feel-good factor, yeah. um, mm -hmm. distraction yeah. even sometimes. So... Yeah, lifestyle plays a huge impact onto it because generally pain is experienced and is more heightened when we are feeling more anxious or more depressed or low. So the better the flow, our balance of life, the better everything is, then the easier pain can be for us to manage when life is in a much more balanced place. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's it. And of course, you mentioned stress as a contributor mm -hmm. to, uh, to a lot. I mean, a lot of what goes up wrong can be attributed in some degree to uh, stressful life experiences uh, and anxiety also, of course. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is undoubtedly a feature of menopause and, and definitely something that heightens those painful experiences. And so um, I want to bring Nikki in at this point. Nikki is a health coach, but also a, an ultra athlete. And so if anybody knows about pain, it's Nikki. Um, <laughs> how many miles do you run, Nikki? I, I can't remember. <laughs> it, dep it, it depends from week to week, to be honest with you. I have just completed a 53 mile ultra run. So, um, so that, that was, uh, that, that was, that was quite a big one. Um, and I can totally relate to everything we're talking about here in terms of, um, sort of recognizing kind of good pain and bad pain. So, you know, as a runner, there are times when, um, you know, I will experience pain that is bad pain because there is a problem. There are other times when I'll be experiencing something that's just, you know, it's just my body maybe saying, okay, we're doing quite a lot at the moment, but it's not necessarily an injury or an issue or something like that. And I've, But I've certainly noticed, you know, as now an older runner, you know, I've been running for the last 10, 12 years. And, you know, with the increase in age, there is definitely, you know, a greater um, recurrence of injury and, um, you know, greater recurrence of, of pain um, than there was previously. So, you know, it's definitely um, something that I can relate to. Um, just to pick up on the stress element that you managed there, that you mentioned there, um, you know, that that is um, a big thing really that we need to manage. And particularly if we if we're feeling pain, we can become more anxious and more stressed about it. And of course, you know, stress um, is responsible for um, reducing, not reducing, sorry, for um, introducing, releasing is the word I'm looking for, um, greater levels of the stress hormone cortisol in the body, which in itself is inflammatory. So, you know, if we could become more stressed, cortisol itself is an, you know, an inflammatory risk on the body. Um, and that potentially increases the issues around, you know, muscle, uh, muscle aches and, and joint aches and pains. So managing stress, managing anxiety and managing those, you know, those issues around your mind, are particularly important from that perspective. Mm -hmm. 
No, I mean, this is it. And, and I suppose we, what we've talked about today is lots of different approaches to managing the same problem. And, and this is entirely appropriate. If we, if we think that there is no one solution that fits all, and, and, uh, and what I favor is this integrated approach. But sometimes, you know, we talk about food, we talk about the mind, we talk about uh, movement, and, uh, and people are so overwhelmed with, where on earth do I begin? And so I know that in your coaching work, this is something that you help people to, to kind of, to guide people through that, that process of embedding change into our lives because it's all very well knowing the theory isn't it and, and that's absolutely right so you know there is a lot more knowledge and information out there and people can go and search it out for themselves on the internet and believe they know what to do but you know when i work with clients a lot of them know what to do it's just actually how can they do it how can they put it into practice you know and it, it revolves around a number of, of of different key areas really you know there's been a, a great deal of information shared already this morning um around exercise around the mind around um food choices and um, diet choices those kind of things it's actually recognizing that they need to be embedded as habits and regular part of your lifestyle moving forward um you know, particularly at this stage of life, we we do need to to actively change some of the things that we've been doing previously, and you know those things aren't aren't easy to do. Um, so, from a coaching perspective, it's about helping people to to recognise how they can embed those habits in their life, whether it's doing things at a certain time of the day, or um, you know not buying things that they previously did and buying something else, um, reducing their, you know, their choice, their, their chances of, of, of faltering, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so embedding healthy habits uh, is, is definitely one. Um, another thing is um, really recognizing kind of your why and your goals. So, you know, if your why is that you want to you know, live your happiest, healthiest life, to be mobile and flexible for as long as, as, as you can, you know, into and beyond midlife. Um, using that as your, your kind of, your lever, your target to, to encourage you to embed those, those habits in your life um, is the, you know, kind of the critical way forward, really. Um, and if you need that level of accountability or that level of support, don't try and deal with it all yourself, you know, okay. reach out for some support. Um, it could be a friend, it could be a relative, it could be a partner, um, or it could be a, you know, a practitioner, an expert practitioner. But, you know, however you do it, use that kind of support and accountability to get you going. And then once that then becomes habit and a natural part of your life, you'll be able to take it from there. Yeah, and I, I mean that's that's good advice. The only thing I, I would say to that is uh, I think it's important to share your goals with your family members. I think you said that before. Um, I'm not sure about asking advice. There's there's a, so much uh, misunderstanding around actually. I think trusted sources is where I would suggest that you go. Mm -hmm. And you know, the internet can equally confound us and confuse us because we have to know that research studies are funded. The funding comes from somewhere. So the fact that uh, red wine is so good for us, 
may just be in the interest of the red wine industry. And so, you know, we have to get a, a little bit uh, discerning when it comes to these sources of information. And so I, I would advocate professional sources. And, uh, you, and if you've got a friend who's a professional, then by all means, bend their ear. Um, you know, but I do come across lots of people who have been misinformed by the best intentioned the same family yeah and family so you know i just i, I throw that out there I would agree with that 100% and I think, you know, that is a lot of the challenge that we find is that because the internet is so accessible and people believe that it is the font of all knowledge, it's the first place that, that people often turn to and sometimes, um, sometimes it can do more harm than good. Um, and, you know, the reason why, you know, we become experts um, and we do all our research and we, you know, all that kind of stuff is so that we we have the right level of information that we can guide people in the right direction. Yeah, that's it. Well, yeah. It's so I, I would also say that it's worth people being reminded they should trust their own bodies. And if something doesn't feel right, mm. it's probably wrong. It, it's point. not worth forcing yourself to do something just because somebody else said it was a good idea. No, it's very I, important. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think by the same token, we have to approach our boundaries. You know, it's a little bit like what Jackie mm. was saying. You know, mm. navigate your boundaries because without approaching them, exploring them, yeah. Uh, then there's a big chance that those boundaries are actually going to shrink. So muscles that don't get stretched get shorter, you know. Yeah. The, yeah. Points that don't get moved get tighter. If, if I put you in a plaster cast and there was nothing wrong with you, when I mm. took the cast off after six weeks, you would be in pain. And that mm. is only because those tissues have got used to not being moved and mm. yeah. moved and they hurt you. So, you know, this is the... This is yeah. the the real conflict around uh, listening to your body, we can we can kind of listen too much and we can mm -hmm. ignore it too much. So, yeah. balance, you know, yeah. somewhere in the yeah. middle perhaps. Is balance, where, always. Yeah, Indeed. yeah. Indeed. That's yeah. where we have to learn to overcome that fear of the pain. Mm -hmm. And as I said, if you can dial it down to somewhere mm -hmm. that it feels where you're in control, then it's, that's when you you don't have that hurdle of it stopping life. What I would also want to add as well is the words that we use with pain as well. You know, if we think about burning pains, we are actually helping our mind to conjure up exactly that very thing. So mm -hmm. we have to be conscious of whether we are escalating it in our own minds, just through our choice of how we describe it, mm -hmm. and whether we can describe it differently, whether, and well, in fact, we can. We, we can use much more cooling words to help to take away those very same feelings of pain. So in the same um, degree that we can all imagine, you know, if you cut an, a lemon open, and bit into it instantly you can get your mouth and the saliva and everything going it's exactly the same with pain so yes using appropriate language with it as well can help to downscale it down regulate it a little bit also yeah i think that's absolutely right and this is this is very sophisticated stuff actually uh, and it's not the kind of thing that a lot of practitioners are schooled in 
And so uh, go to see uh, an orthopedic surgeon and because they understand everything in such great detail, the story that they uh, transmit to you may be one that actually fills you with complete and utter panic and dread. Uh, and that is entirely unintentional. And I, and I bear that, uh, you know, as a physiotherapist, mm. we, we sometimes in, the, in dumbing down our explanations of, of uh, physiology or anatomy, uh, you know, we, we can generate uh, scenarios, fictional scenarios, mm. that are actually a little bit scary for people. And so, yeah. you, you know, this language piece is absolutely, absolutely important. And, uh, and, and at the same time, very challenging also, because, you know, I, I, uh, I was listening to the radio, Vanilla, if, we, if you think of vanilla, in, in this culture, we think of something like uh, pudding, yes, dessert, but in some other cultures, vanilla is used in savory foods, and so they would conjure up that perception of, of a savory uh, expectation, if you like. And so that's, that really demonstrates this ability of our programming to influence, uh, you know, whether or not we salivate, for instance. Yeah. So, yeah. We, we, we can do that just through imagination so mm -hmm. it's that very same imagination mm -hmm. that has the ability to either enhance pain or to bring it down a little bit yeah uh, you know and the other thing that i often uh people often do when they have a painful sensation is avoid touching it yeah. and and so actually skin mm -hmm. sense sensory receptors will will begin to be curious why why am I not getting any messages? Why? And so I know I need to become more sensitive so that I can, I can hear those messages. So, so then something that was sore becomes more sore because actually we're avoiding even touching it. Mm. And so, uh, you know, the first piece of advice I give to lots of people is give it a rub. Me too. You yeah. know? Yeah. And that yeah. also falls into yeah. the pain gate theory, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, because when we're rubbing something, we're actually stimulating those larger fibres to yeah. help to close off those pain signals. Yeah. So that's, that's right. The pain yeah. gate. So I, you know, I mean, I think a, a lot of these rubs on the market are, are getting the benefit of the fact that rub. <laughs> it's not the thing; it's the actual action, isn't it? We did have a question already about wrist, but how to deal with wrist pain, and I think uh, the, this is specifically an issue that lots of women, especially, struggle with: the ability to bear load through the wrist, mm -hmm. to uh, to get into the push-up position. <laughs> One of my personal favourites. Uh, but yes, it, it just even taking weight through the wrist can be a challenge for lots of people. And yet we know that by bearing load through bones and muscle structures, we will uh, generate strengthening uh, tissue growth or cell, uh, cell turnover. And so this is very uh, something that we really do want to encourage. And so if painful wrists are getting in the way, this can be a problem. Oftentimes, it's really about the extensibility of the tissue so that, is it use it or lose it? I think that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the one. Just performing regular wrist stretches. And I think we do kind of tend to neglect 
the periphery, don't we? The fingers and toes, we sort of take them for granted and, and neglect to give them any attention, especially feet because they're in our socks and shoes all the time. Oh, yeah. Yes, I know, Jude. So, uh, but anyway, we're talking about wrists. So some simple stretches and, uh, and, and strengthening those structures around the wrist as well, mm. using resisted exercises. I favor a rubber band, as Shirley will know, uh, and that's what you can't do with a rubber band, really, pretty much isn't worth <laughs> <laughs> You know, for me, it's really about getting not getting curious, getting knowledge, um, and, and you know, exploring those boundaries that we talked about, and uh, and don't kind of get stuck in a rut because. But, you know, it may be that there is something that you just haven't tried yet. And if only you could open yourself up to something new. I mean, this is what we talk about, menopause. It's it's the beginning. It's not an ending. It's a beginning, you know, and we want to explore this uh, season of our lives with, mm -hmm. with vigor, renewed vigor, with enthusiasm, yeah. with energy. And there are so mm -hmm. many things that we can do that will take us on that journey and it won't be the same for everybody different things speak to different people and that's entirely appropriate but um uh, i think i've been on my soapbox for long enough <laughs> and uh, it just remains for me to thank everybody for joining us today uh and to thank the whole panel thank you to the collective i love having you in my life and uh and so uh, we'll we'll sign off and say uh, see you again soon. Have a fabulous rest of your day. Take care now.